0: Thor Odin Stenhaug Hello Welcome to the studio bro Thanks man, it's really nice, I really like it Yeah, you know what, I saw you perform comedy for the first time We just met last night Yeah, yeah, yeah And I had no idea who you were Yeah Because you're based in London I am, yeah And then I was sitting in the back of the club and I was going Oh, this is good <laughs> And I thought maybe it was like your first night or something like that Yeah But you were great How long have you been doing comedy for?
1: I started at the start of twenty nineteen. So I started just before um just before the pandemic. Good. Uh, so I was going for like a year, like as much as I could. Like I as soon as I started, I just went full in on it. And then obviously a pandemic happened. And then I actually moved I sort of moved back. I was still paying rent in London, but I was like living at home in Norway. In Norway, yeah. Outside of Bergen. I like this tiny, tiny place outside of Bergen. yeah. Um, And that's when I started doing a little bit of stand-up in Norwegian, but there wasn't that much going on. Yeah. Um, And then then I went back to the UK after that again.
0: Okay, so you went back to the UK in like 2021 or something?
1: Yeah. Back to the UK. Well, first, I went back in the summer of 2020. Every time you opened up, I tried to go back. Yeah. And then it would just shut down. And when it shut down in, in the UK, it was so much more ex- extensive than mm. it w- was over here. Yeah. Like, it was like you were allowed to go for a walk for an hour <laughs> and oh. that was what you could do. Um, so then I would come back to Norway and I'd try and like work a bit, try and save up money, doing other things, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, because it was pretty draconian. Like, I looked at the news from around the world, and a few places that looked like shit was real was in Australia, actually, where I'm from. Yeah. They're pretty locked down in London and these big cities, these big metropolises. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: when Australia, like, it was... Because I have some friends who had family in Australia and they were like, they couldn't even go and see their family. They couldn't like travel
0: back. No, no, no. They locked it down state by state. Yeah, And you could not leave more than a three kilometer radius. Oh from wow. The dude. They were checking like my mum's driver's license. Oh man, to that's make sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm glad we're done with that. Yeah, glad we're done with that. Okay, so we got through the pandemic. You moved back to London. Moved back
1: properly, summer 2021. I was back on it. And the weird thing was that when lockdown happened, I'd only done stand-up comedy for like a year. Yeah. So I was so like fresh into like my sort of stand-up career. So it was like a weird thing when people be like, what are you doing in London? And it felt a bit premature to be like, I'm a comedian. (laughs) But I... So, but then also that was all that I did. I had like all of these weird day jobs so I could like do comedy as much as possible. And then I think to be fair, it wasn't long after I went back um, until I was able to do full-time. So you're a full-time comedian? Yeah, yeah. I've been full-time for like a year and a half. Wow.
0: Okay. And so uh, you make your money enough to live by performing uh, like in clubs or private gigs or a combination. Like, how do you how do you make that work? I mean, it's a bit of a combination. It's
1: mainly clubs. I'm definitely like I love club comedy. That's like my I love stand up comedy in clubs. I love I love all of that shit. Um, nice. It's a combination of uh, mainly doing clubs. Mm-hmm. I've run my own gig, which is like two times a week yep. in Soho in London. Um, So I'm not always there, but I run it. So that helps a bit. And that is like where all of the boring admin shit comes in as well. Yeah. And then I also, I host quite a lot. I compare a lot of gigs. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm trying to do less out of that because there was a time I was doing it too much. But I do, I definitely will compare at least twice, probably three times a week still. Wow. How many spots are you doing a week? It depends, but... Somewhere between 6 and 12 a week, I would say. Wow, yeah, there
0: w- 6 and 12. I guess you get a lot of volume in London.
1: Yeah, it's not that hard. And also, like, on a Friday or a Saturday, I will normally do two or three. Mm. So already then you're on five. Yeah. So I normally have, like, one or two days a week that I take off. Yeah. Because I have a girlfriend, and she, <laughs> and she makes me take some days off, which is fine. I also do think it is important to take some days off because you got to have like a little bit of a breather. But I, I love doing it, so there's nothing that I would rather do. But I normally have like now I've started taking like Sundays off. Okay, but I'll I'll gig apart from that. Yeah, mm. so loads. But also like the same in terms of like emceeing. That's yeah, we, we we don't really say like comparing. We would say emceeing. Uh, which makes it sound so much more hip hop. I think it does. It's do like, you know? like you're a like, rapper. I'm an bro. MC. I'm just MCing, doing the gigs, <laughs> MCing. Um, but uh, yeah, like so. Sometimes you can MC like two or three a night. Which, two or three a night, but that That's is a long
0: because you're there for two hours for the whole show. It's so long, man. Yeah. And
1: uh, my, I, I would much rather do three spots than MC three. I don't. I try and like not MC as much. I try and maybe MC. 30% of the time. Yeah. And then do spots for 70%. Yeah,
0: I fell into that trap of just emceeing for a while because yeah. I kind of got addicted to crowd work and I got addicted to like creating comedy in the moment. And yeah, oh, you know what's so nice. You just talk to people and the pressure wasn't there. And then I realized, oh, that's kind of a trap. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: it's much harder to I don't I don't really know what the sort of like like rules are for it in Norway, because I haven't like done enough stand-up over here, but um, in the UK, it's a bit like you can like work on some material while you're emceeing, but you're sort of like you're sort of like you you know you're sort of running the show, so. If it is a tough night, it's not really your time to go up there and be like, here are some weird stuff that's probably not going to work. You sort of do have to like yeah, make sure that people have a good night. Uh, and that is like on the new material nights. If it's like a pro gig, you can't do any new stuff. You can do new stuff that you're working on. Mm. And I also always think you have to be a bit cheeky and just like do a bit more than you probably should. But, um, but you know, like the night depends on you and the the, the club is like paying you. To make sure that like everybody's having a good time yeah but i i get what you mean with the crowd work thing because i i love doing crowd work i think it's so much fun doing crowd work i love just like talking to people and so many people have like weird stories and when they come alive in a comedy club it's like awesome but it definitely makes if you do that loads of times i just feel like as in like if you just them seeing i do feel like definitely my stage persona is getting better
0: but my material isn't necessarily getting better. It's not getting sharper. No, it's not. No, no, that's what I experienced. I experienced that I was like, but that, was, that was an okay period because I wanted to work on the stage persona and yeah. I wanted to work on that. Just being able to be in the moment, have fun, make things happen, see if I could connect dots in the room. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely think I got that skill and it served me well, like whilst I'm performing my bits. Yeah. But then I, I realized like, oh, I'm getting lost in the sauce. You know what I mean? Like I really love creating jokes and a yeah. structured set that has a kind of beginning and an end, like a journey. Yeah. And I'm not able to do that. And and that that's why I kind of like I, I don't host as much as I used to. Because I kind of I really love doing my bits more than I love hosting. Yeah, same. I just think
1: it's for me, it's like a um you know, when you create a bit and, and the bit works, you're just like, I just have that now. Like, I've just created this thing that will just like, I can just whip this out whenever. I love that feeling. Mm. And obviously with crowd work, it is nice. And there are some things with crowd work that like, you're like, oh, actually that was really funny. And I can I can probably like do that again. Yeah. If it's like a tough night and I need to just get a quick laugh, I can probably like say that line about like two people are dating in this scenario, or whatever. Mm. But, um, but I don't really get the same like, sense of pride that I get when I create like a bit that really
0: works. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. Yeah, I I you like bring something to life. That's amazing. Yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, awesome. It's really cool. And so um like how much are spots paying in London clubs? Like if you're doing five or six a night, is it like good money or is it, you know, it varies or? It's so dependent. It's so dependent on the club.
1: It's so dependent on how long you're doing. Mm. Um, Yeah, it's really dependent. I think uh, when you start out, they're not really paying anything. So many clubs in in London will, for like a while, try and just keep you on like that. We call it like an open spot. Yeah. So you're just like, you're just, you're doing 10 minutes to assault that crowd, and you're getting zero money for it. And you're just, like, adding up, like, how much everyone's paid. And you're like, this is not making any sense. Mm. Uh, and they will try and keep you on that. for If you don't push it, they will just keep you on that. But you have to push. And then, yeah, I mean, it depends. Like, it really depends. Like, I've been very fortunate that there's a comedy club in London called Angel Comedy. They have a venue called The Bill Murray. They're really lovely people. And they have, like, really, like, taken me... In and it's sort of like my my home club, which is not really a thing that you have in London, like a home club. But but as, as much as you can have one, I do have one, which is really lucky for me. Mm. So on the weekend there, I can it, it really does depend. But like if I'm doing like if I'm emceeing two gigs for them and then closing the 11 show, for instance. So I, let's say I emcee 7.30, 9.30 at one venue they have, which is called Camdenhead. It's a different venue. Uh, which I also have to, like, make sure that everything goes okay. There's a lot of admin stuff there. And then I close a later show. It is a lot of money. It's probably, like, two... I mean, I say a lot of money. It's not a lot of money. But it's a lot of money compared to getting no money. It's pro- probably, like, maybe you can make, like, about, like, 300 pounds, which I don't know how much that is for feed it to four thousand yeah something It's not bad for a weekend yeah so yeah. if you do that like on a friday and a saturday that's yeah. pretty good yeah um but obviously that is like so lucky but you can also like i did 15 uh minutes at another really good comedy club there called backyard and that was like 75 pounds yeah so which is like it's still money that counts but mm. you know you're not gonna get rich from doing that
0: no it looks like like it's kind of similar to norway like you, you got to do you need a high volume yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to p- make, like, a thousand Kroners for a show or, you know, a hundred pounds, you, like, you got to do a bunch of them a month.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, a lot of a lot of comedians, I mean, it depends. So, like if you do, like, the comedy store, if you do, like, a weekend at the comedy store, they will pay you, like, a grand. Mm. So, even if you just do, like, two or three of those a year, that will make, like, a massive difference. Yeah. But um, I think in London, that's, that's why people double up. That's one of the reasons why po- people double up for, like, money reasons. I mainly do because I just think it's so much fun. (laughs) Like, it's definitely my favorite thing to do. But also, a lot of people do... A lot of people are, like, road comedians. So they will go to, like, the smaller places. It's Mm -hmm. the same people do it in Norway as well. Like, they'll go to, like, either different cities. Or they'll go to these places where, like, there's nothing else to do. So everybody comes out and watch comedy. And those gigs aren't necessarily as fun. uh, But they can pay a lot better than... London spots because there are so many comedians in London that Mm. the clubs can sort of just be like, some clubs are great. Like some clubs are amazing, but they can sort of like just keep you. They're like, if you don't want to do this unpaid 10 spot, I have 400 other people who want to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I noticed that as well when we were on tour last year, when we went to these small towns and there's just nothing happening on a Tuesday night there in a Norwegian summer. And so many people would turn out. Really? Yeah. We'd be packed. We'd have to like, you know, like move tables out and get extra chairs. And and I got it. I was like, okay, cool. We went to the smaller town and it was packed. And then we would go to somewhere like Bergen. And I was like, okay, there's so much competition. There's so many other options that people have for entertainment. Would you, when you would go to like the smaller places and stuff, mm. how would
1: people react to stand-up? Had people been to stand-up comedy before?
0: No, not all of them. No. Some of them had, but some of them, it was it was crazy that it was like their first time. Oh, you really? know what I mean? And especially some of the people that were like pretty young, like 20, 21, 22. Yeah. and th- Maybe they haven't even left that small town. And they're like, oh, shit, this is a whole thing, you know. Maybe they've seen some shit on Netflix and YouTube but they hadn't really... A lot of them hadn't experienced it. And they thought it was wild. Yeah. And it's kind of cool. You know, it's like, you know what? You're popping somebody's comedy cherry. You're like, yeah. oh shit, we're the first comedians you've ever seen live. That's kind I, of a cool feeling.
1: I feel like it can go like both ways. They can you, they can be like... At least when I've done the shows, like, I feel like it can go go both ways. It can be like... Um, like an audience that's just like, they're just chatting to each other and they're just like, they don't understand that like that's being disruptive or they're not trying to be rude. They're just like on the phones, whatever, as if they're watching, you know, movie at home or as if they're watching comedy at home, I suppose. Or, you can have those people who are just like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. They just never heard like a joke like that before. Like that was so funny. And like if you do like a little like crowd interaction thing, they just love it so much. Yeah. But um, but I completely get what you mean by that. Like I feel like it is it is like a really nice feeling when you you go to like a small community and they are just so up for it. They're
0: just so happy that you're there. Yeah, they they like, they like love it. Because, you know, like, life there can get pretty, you know, repetitive day after day after day. And then all of a sudden you get, like, these fucking savages, yeah. you know, just coming in, like, slinging jokes. And especially if you get a sense that, like, all right, we're going to take this in this direction. Yeah. Go, yeah, we want more. And, you know, when we went on tour, we were, like, such a diverse group of comedians. Yeah. So, you know, there was kind of something for everybody in a way. So that was kind of dope as well. Did you... Start doing comedy
1: here or in Australia?
0: I started doing it here. Yeah, uh, end of 2018 is when I started. Ah, run same time as me then. Yeah, pretty much. Have you ever done it in Australia? No, because I went back and it was during the bushfires. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? It was kind of like like some apocalyptic hellscape. And then I went to New Zealand for most of that trip. And then it was the pandemic. And then I went back again and I was going to do a spot, but I... uh, it didn't work out. Would you be nervous to do comedy in Australia? Uh, I think for the first time, yeah. Yeah. I think so. You know, man, like Australian audiences are pretty savage. Are they? Oh, fuck yeah. Bro.
1: Loads of my friends are in Australia now. Yeah, okay. They're at a... I think it's Melbourne that's
0: on now. The Melbourne... Comedy festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loads Perfect. of my friends are there. Yeah, that's great. Hey, do you know how that works? Do you? Is it like the Fringe? Can you just kind of go down and put up shows or is it like a...
1: Yeah, it's, it's both. Like, you can you can either go down and do, like, like a fringe. You mm. just, like, put on your own show, that sort of thing. Or the other way is that you have an agent who will, like, hook up with this production company and will, like, fly over and you do, like, the gallows and stuff. Um, so you can do both. It's very similar to the Edinburgh Fringe. I've never done it. I'd love to
0: do it. I'd love to do it, too. Yeah,
1: it's just such a cool thing. You can go, like... I mean, we were talking about this in the car yesterday, you know, like all of the cool places you get to experience and you can like blame it on comedy, you know? Yeah.
0: Dude, there's two things I love doing when I get, visit somewhere. I love doing jujitsu because it's a very nice culture. Mm. And I love doing stand up comedy. Yeah. Because again, like it's just fun. And, you know, you get to meet like cool people that are really passionate about something that you love. So when you were saying
1: that you would be like nervous about doing like comedy in Australia is... Is is it because obviously you've never done it before? Mm. Is it because you're Australian but everyone else is Australian as well? Because obviously, I guess in Oslo you are like the Australian
0: guy, right? Yeah, and it's also my cousin's a stand up comic, and oh. he yeah, and he he's just told these stories of like you know audiences where he's gone up on stage and. You know, people just start to say, you fucking suck. You know, Australians Australians are rowdy, bro. You know what I mean? Like they like, they get pretty lit and they just kind of like shout a lot of stuff out. And he's just told me a bunch of stories where he's just like ate shit on stage and He's going, oh, I know you guys hate me, but I have to do the full 15. Otherwise, I don't get paid. <laughs> yeah. And so oh, he's wow. just been there like, you know. Fuck. Yeah. But I think that's probably just uh, earlier on his career, at like these dive places. Where, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they just try to get something going and nobody gives a fuck about the comedy.
1: I get that. I don't think. Yeah, I definitely think British people are way too polite to do that. Like people aren't. wouldn't necessarily shout out. Like, yeah, you suck. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen <laughs> anyone do that. I have seen people be rude in different ways, you know, people just not like giving a shit and and I've I've definitely heard like when is the comedy gonna start? Yeah. That's like a savage one that nice. comes up. Uh but um but yeah, I get that. I can understand why that would be scary. But I also do think if you did do it. I think after two gigs, you would feel completely fine about
0: it. I think so too. And I, I, I really want, I was to my mom about this. I was like, yeah, she talked about the Melbourne Comedy Festival. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that. She goes, yeah, you should do it. Yeah. And i just fly down and hang out for a couple of weeks. You can,
1: you can just put it on. There's like, they have like a free fringe vers- version there as well, where you mm. can like, it doesn't necessarily have to be that expensive. I guess it's always going to be expensive because you're going to Australia. But like, it can be less expensive than it has to be. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what are you thinking of going?
1: I don't know, like I've, so I've done Edinburgh every year since I started. Yeah. So I did Edinburgh like seven months into my <laughs> comedy career. I did a split hour, like mm. a split bill, we would call it, uh, where I was meant to do 20 minutes. And I had like seven minutes of material. Oh my <laughs> so god. So it was like seven minutes of, of jokes and then it was crowd work. And I remember so much of my crowd work was based around Norway oh, to the point shit. that it just became like this like visit Norway <laughs> sort of thing. Like, wow, well, have you been to Bergen? That's amazing. <laughs> and then I remember <laughs> I actually did it with Penilla, Penilla Holland. Oh, really? So she had been doing comedy longer, but she had done more like, I think she's done more like clowning things. She's done a lot of improv. She was yeah. in this really successful improv group, did like musical improv. And I started doing stand-up comedy in the UK. I actually met her. Just before I started doing stand-up comedy, I went to the Edinburgh Fringe just to watch. And my friend, who's an actor, was like, oh, this Norwegian girl is doing a show. Let's go and watch it. That was Panilla mm. She did a show. It was great. So much fun. And we hung out afterwards. And I was like, oh, yeah, I really want to start doing comedy. And she was like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, whatever. And then I did start doing comedy. And I remember, like, a few months in, we were on the same lineup. And I was like, I don't know if you remember me. And she was like, of course I remember you. How's it going? Whatever. And then I just said, um, I was just like, I love to do the fringe. Like, I know I'm very new, but I just love to do it. And she was like, well, I'm working on, like, my show. So why don't you do, like, 20 minutes and I'll do 40. And then we did that, yeah. Yeah, what year was that? That was 2019. Yeah, that was that summer of 2019. Yeah. It was. It was so much fun, though. It was, like, going because everybody... In, in the UK will go up there. More yeah. or less. Not everybody, but a lot of people will go up. So it feels a bit like you're at like summer camp. Yeah. Because all your mates are there, but you get to do comedy and you get to drink. Nice. And it's like, it's so much fun. Um, but Penilla was like, she was like, I had like s- no friends before I met Penilla in London. It was so hard to make friends because I don't really know what it is in Norway, but the Norwegian comedy scene seems really nice and very supportive. Like from my just what I've experienced so far, I think
0: it's very nice, man. But
1: but in in you know I'm not saying that the the UK comedy scene isn't like that, but it's there's so many people. So when you start out doing comedy, no one's like, hey, there's a new dude on the block. Like no one's no one's like that. It's like yeah, it's you and four hundred people, and about three hundred and seventy of those people will not do comedy at the end of the year i got it so no one really wants to invest in you yeah you have to prove yourself through time yeah and also you suck like no one's good yeah <laughs> and you're doing all of this shitty gig so that that was like it was definitely like a little bit tough like at the start like you just don't really know anyone but i think i was like i knew it was going to be like that and then i you know made some some sort of small friendships here and there and then when i met Penilla she was like oh this guy is good and i got loads of friends
0: wow oh so she kind of like uh you know vouched for you and oh, introduced absolutely. you and wow that's nice dude I, you made me think of something because uh i checked out your instagram account because one of the things that i'm thinking you know when it comes to success in comedy is that just being a good stand-up comedian isn't really enough Do you know what i mean you've got a lot of other good stand-up comedians and I, I looked at your instagram account and you said i think it says new video every week yeah and i was like oh this guy's really good at posting videos how how much of uh like, social media and posting things like that, do you think contributes towards being a successful comedian? I think now it's just changed everything. Mm. Like, I
1: just think, like, within the last two years, everything's changed from, like, you want to be on TV to you want to have loads of followers. Because, mm. like, loads of followers can can sell out shows. You can go on tour. Like, even in Norway, like, if people in, like, Orlesund or, like, Trondheim are watching your videos... And you go there, they will come and see your show. Like, at least they could do it. They know who you are. Um, yeah, I think it's, like, changed everything. And also, you know what I was saying about, like, emceeing earlier? It's changed my perspective on that. Because when you emcee, when you compare, like, now, you can... It's, like, an opportunity to get a new clip. So every time I emcee, I film it every single time. Mm. Because something might happen, something funny might happen, and you could post it etc. And I also do think it's like I say at the end of every set in, in the UK, I plug my Instagram and if I headline, and if I can, it doesn't, to be fair, I don't even have to headline. If I, if there's a chance for it, I have like a QR code. So I will go, hey guys, I'm doing a longer show in London soon. I've got, um, I also post clips every single week uh, on my Instagram. If you guys want to follow, I'll be standing outside. I've got a QR code. You can come and scan it. And then people go and scan it.
0: That's so clever. That's so clever. So you stand outside of the club or like or the, at the uh, outside, exit, of, a, the room, outside yeah. of the room with a qr code like on a laminated piece of paper or yeah
1: do... it's not laminated but yeah but basically <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i gave yeah. you the lamination yeah. <laughs> like, but the see, problem with laminated is that you don't want the um, you don't want the light to uh, do you know what i mean i, yeah, don't, I know what you mean the yeah. reflection might reflection. get in the way of the qr
0: reading yeah but oh, um i like that you thought about that
1: I mean, it's just like, I don't think I invented it, but I, I do do it. Not that many people do do that. And it is a bit like, it does really work. It works so much better than just plugging it. Yeah. And, but I mean, you are, I mean, first of all, I wouldn't do it if it didn't go well. Like if I had a terrible <laughs> gig, I'm not going to be there. Yeah. Guys, if you want to see more of this, if you want to see more of, <laughs> if you guys want to see more of silence, <laughs> come on over to my Instagram, you know? Yeah. But, um, but I, but I do do it. Yeah. And, I mean, it's it, if you think about it, it's a bit of like an awkward, vulnerable thing to be standing there just like being like, do you like me? But if you do well, people come over and they do scan it. And also those audiences are more valuable than um, just Instagram audiences because those audiences are people that will go to comedy gigs. They're already there. They've gone to comedy gigs. Yes. Way more likely to go to another show that you do in the future.
0: Yeah, that's really good insight yeah. because they're already comedy fans yeah. and now they just understand how to find you. Now they're a fan of you, basically. Yeah. So that is like, uh, um, yeah, that's a massive
1: thing. And I do think it has changed everything. So, But my point with this is that when I'm saying that, I also need to make sure that I'm giving them something for following me. So you can't just be like, do you want to follow me? And then I'm just showing them loads of pictures of like, here's my brother. Here's like... Here's me watching TV. Like, it has to be some sort of entertainment, you know? Like, Mm. no one's going to, like, I know they're not paying for it, but no one's going to, like, subscribe to YouTube channels if you don't like the content, if there's no content, you know? Yeah. So I think of it as a way to gaining followers, but I also think of it as a way of sort of entertaining the followers that I have.
0: Mm.
1: And crowd work is a good way to do that because if I just film all of my bits and post them, then I'm going to run out of it. And also, when they come and see my show, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I saw all of that on this Instagram.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true, man. I, I think that's really good insight because I, I do a lot of shows over here and I think, like, there's five or six comedians in this lineup. If you're first or second, like nobody's going to remember your fucking name. No, and you, you might have crushed it. You might have killed it. But if they don't have a way to find you afterwards... Like that's just a lost connection. But I do
1: think that is true anywhere. To be fair, like I do. That's why I mentioned the headline thing. If I'm closing a gig, it's so much easier to get loads of followers from yeah. that because they just remember you so well. They're like, "Oh, that's that guy from the end. He was so good," or whatever. If it goes well, um, but um, or if it's just before a break, it's very good. If you do open. It's going to be so much harder, let's be honest. Like, if you're opening, you're very often like taking a bullet for everyone else. If the audience aren't warm,
0: you are taking that bullet. And
1: people don't know that. People that don't do stand-up comedy, they just think that first guy wasn't as good as the rest of them.
0: Yeah. Which
1: is the most annoying thing. Espe- for
0: me. Especially because, like, whoever's organizing the night or the conf making the lineup is going to put somebody who's good opening so that they can get the show headed in the right direction
1: yeah because the opening thing is where the audience goes oh this is what it's going to be like yeah okay so that they do know what they're doing especially if you're doing like i think it's different if you're doing like somewhere like lotter yep. or like like a big club whether it's in norway you know uh, the uk or wherever if it's a big club, they are more likely to trust the night because it's a big club. Yeah. But if you're doing this like weird sort of like basement or above a pub, and even though they're gray li- li- it's a grey lineup on, unless the-, the first comedian sort of sets the tone, what this is going to be like, and the MC as well, mm. I would say, do set the tone
0: yeah yeah definitely Mm -hmm. it's yeah but i think it was really like it's really good talking about like the social media game because i feel like a lot of comedians in norway especially a lot of my colleagues we're not really taking advantage of utilizing the social media platform for all that it's worth because it is it is i think a really good way just to connect with people that like you with people that are fans Mm. Uh, but do you just do one video a week or what's your like? Are you, and are you releasing like once a week on the same time for kind of consistency like that? Or yeah,
1: that that's the aim. The aim is to release every Tuesday. Gotcha. Every Tuesday. Um, but now because I've been flying back and forth to Norway so much, I haven't been able to do it the, the last two weeks. Mm. But that is normally Tuesday, same time every week. Um, so yeah, that's what I try to do. I I understand what you mean. I think. I think there are, like, two different things. You can do the stand-up sets and the b- and bits and all of that. And also, a lot of comedians are doing sketches. That's yeah, a, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. It's a lot of, like... It depends. Like, people have different styles. Some people have the more, like, mainstream style, which will be, like, you know, like... Yeah. In the UK, it will be, like, British people in the summer. And then, like, what British people do in the summer, like, classic, like, oh, it's so warm and it's so warm. And, like, just, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then some people are more, like, niche. But you can be niche on social media because... You know, if you are a bit weird and alternative, there are, you know, social media is everybody. P- there are loads of people that are gonna like that. Dude,
0: I have a friend, a comedian friend in Iceland, and he just <laughs> okay. does like dad jokes about Iceland, and he has so many followers. Really? Bro. Yeah. Oh my god! Like hundreds of thousands from people all around the world. But and yeah, I could definitely I
1: and and well, I, I completely get that because yeah. it's like you. It's such a small niche. It's like his USP, like his unique selling point. But I definitely. Oh, I like think... how you abbreviated that. Yeah, yeah I you know USP. You... <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard of something little called USP. Um... <laughs> Where did you hear that? No, it's just what they say. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds no, like... I did make it up. I did make it up. <laughs> 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 that would be that would be I'm that would be so wanky. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> that would be so wanky. Now they do just call it USP. Do you know what the part, part about that though is something I definitely do feel a bit of? Like I don't when I do stand up in in Norway, I don't really like to talk too much about that i live in the uk like i i wrote a new joke about it that i did yesterday but but i don't really like to talk about it because if you live in england and you're Norwegian, and when you're in norway like you will sometimes obviously use like in like this english word will come into a sentence or whatever and people are just like oh someone's living in the uk someone's <laughs> living someone knows how to speak english and it just gets like sometimes i'll say like i'll be like Not juice, but you know, like something like bacon. They'd be like bacon, oh, oh, and I'm like, you would say bacon as well. Like, what would you say? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Bacon is a bad example, but you know, like my brother says, funny. Like he will use the word. My brother's 18. Like Mm. he will use the word funny instead of saying mushum.
0: Yeah. Okay. Because
1: that's just what they do.
0: Yeah, and he lives in Norway.
1: He lives in Norway, yeah. Everybody lives in Norway. But if I did it, people would be like, all right, someone's in the UK. Yeah, yeah
0: Mr. Fancy yeah. Pants. No,
1: but US- USP is just like, it's just something that's thrown out a lot because obviously on the English comedy scene, there's just so many people. So people are thinking a, l- a bit about the USP. Not everybody oh, is, but... Oh, I know what you mean. But it's a bit of like... It's uh, a bit of like, I'm, I am that Norwegian guy. Yeah, or maybe I'm, that Thor guy.
0: I'm that Australian guy.
1: Yeah, you're, that's, what I, that's what I meant earlier. Yeah. But that's also what I was like interested about because I very much feel like one of the reasons why I was a bit nervous about doing comedy in Norway. And I mean, not even nervous, just like a challenge is that my identity in, in England, just on stage, but also off stage is that Norwegian guy. Mm. Thoughts from Norway. I guess so many questions about Norway. Sometimes I feel like I'm not like the Norwegian ambassador or whatever. You know, people be like, I'm going to Tromsø next week. I've never been to Tromsø. But yeah. still, I'm there. Like, I live up to it. I'm like, oh, man, it's so nice. So nice in Tromsø. I've never been. I've no idea.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get it. That's, that's, I have a very similar experience, man. Like a, the, the Australian guy. But I, uh, I, I have a few friends as well that I feel like they kind of lean into that identity a little bit too much. You know what I mean? Like if they're the, you know, they're this guy. I'm like, okay, you're the that guy. But how long are you going to do the that guy jokes for? And I feel like the same with me as well. It's like, especially I'm performing to a lot of new people that never, ever, ever heard of me. I got to do a little little bit of introduction stuff, but how hard do I want to go with the I'm from Australia jokes? Yeah,
1: because you just become like a bit of a stereotype, right?
0: Yeah, right. And I feel like it's okay for them. But for Mm -hmm. me, I'm like, you know what? I think we've moved past that. Like, let's talk about some other shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, completely. I think, I think... I always toy in my head about this because when I do write bits when I write bits I have this thing that like what is my what is the thing people remember about me it's normally my name is Thor which a lot of people react to because it's written with a H so they wouldn't say Thor, they always say Thor so they're like, wow, Thor. And they don't think of, like, Norse mythology. They very much think Chris Hemsworth, mm. Avengers, all of that. Fuck, yeah. So that's, like, a lot of... That's a lot of my life is people have been like, is that your real name and stuff like that? And then it's that I'm Norwegian. So in one's head, I'm like, if I have great jokes about this, this is what people will remember. this is, like, a great, like, sort of, like, selling point thing. But then also, I don't find that that interesting. No. I've always been called Thor or, or yeah. whatever. I've always been from Norway. So... I just think normally I just need to just address it at the start and then you can really just talk about anything. Yeah. And and also the the upside about for me writing about other things is that those other things are much easier for me to try and translate when I do gig in Norway. Mm. From English to Norwegian. Because I can't go on after and be like, guys, guess what? My name is Tord. Mad, it, And people are going to be like, yeah, we're all called Tord. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> is called Tord. No, yeah. We're all Norwegians. We yeah. don't care about this.
0: Yeah, we've all got weird names, bro. We're yeah, not yeah, special yeah. in here. Yeah, no one cares. Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, you know, when you said In It, you remind me of this uh, Netflix show called Top Boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have <laughs> Top you Boy. seen it?
1: I ha- actually haven't seen it, but it's set around where I
0: live. I live in South London. So. Is that kind of like a... Notor- is that a sketchy neighborhood then um i mean in the series it's kind of sketchy yeah i mean
1: yeah yes or no like no it, it is you know like i mean Dude, just
0: talk just move the microphone a little bit closer to your face sorry about that all right.
1: um yeah i mean like yes or no i it, it, it is like a bit of a sketchier neighborhood like south london is like notorious for being sketchier but it's also like very much getting a bit like gentrified, you know? And like that always happens. People always talk about, like, Brixton. Like, people who, like, are from Brixton are like, it's not what it used to be. Like, yeah. it used to be more, like, independent shops and, like, the market used to be bigger, etc. And now it's not really like that, which is completely fair. Mm. With gentrification, like, it is getting probably a bit safer. Yeah. But it's still, like, ev- I get... I'm in Brixton, like, outside of the tube station so much, like, at night, because I come home from a gig. And, like, it is, like... I don't know. I don't feel comfortable like if my girlfriend is there like on her own at night. Yeah. Because like people walk up to you, people are a bit threatening like, like almost everyone I know in London has got mugged at some point. To have, some, Have you been mugged? I've been, I've been politely mugged I would you say. Been politely <laughs> mugged? Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've been. So British. I mean, I, what, one <laughs> one time a guy outside of Brixton Station in yeah. South London did, after a gig actually, um, stole, I had like like a headphones on, headsets on, mm. and uh, he was like, he was like, "Hey man, can I? Have you got any change?" And I was like, "Sorry man, don't I have any change?" And he was like, "Yeah, but man, I can, I can walk with you to a cash point." That's what they all say. I'll walk with you to a cash point, so they they can like you Fuck can just that. yeah I know. Uh, and I was like, "Sorry man, I can't." And he was like, "Fucking hell, give him, give me that." And then he took my headphones. Mm. Um, but the thing is, my headphones were still. The thing is, this is how little, this is how non-threatening I am. He took my headphones, turned around, and then sort of just waited for the same bus that I was getting. (laughs) So he wasn't like going anywhere. And the headphones were still connected to my phone. So I'm just like, I'm just like, Got mugged, but I'm also just like someone's DJ all of a sudden. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you're not gonna get any of this good ABBA shit. I'm gonna start <laughs> taking requests, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm like, what does he like? Um, oh, but dude. yeah, so that's happened. But my, my flatmate has had the same, he's had like someone. Follow him to a cash point. Wow, that's quite. And a,
0: then they force him to withdraw as much money as possible and take the cash. Not, and...
1: not as much money, no. I mean, but 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 oh, to the point he's where, he's bargaining like, with them. Yeah, no, but that honestly no. happened really. So this guy was like, this guy was like, <laughs> "Hey man," like he had like this tear like tattooed under the, under his eye. Yeah. This is again in Brixton. Yeah, and and he's like, "Hey man, have you got any money?" And he's like, oh, sorry, man, I don't have any money." He's like, "Hey man, I'll, I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you." My flatman's like trying to like be like leave me alone but he just doesn't stop and what are you gonna do right so he goes eventually it's like okay like i can he's like the guy's like just a tenner just 10 pounds so my flatmate goes with him to the cash point goes to click on like 10 pounds and then the guy goes 20 though man come on give me 20 and then he goes give me 30 give me 30 yeah and then i think my my flatmate was like 30 that's it that's it but then again it's like I mean I think also the guy was like telling me like stories like I've just come out of prison or whatever and you never know if that's true well, but he's like got the tattoo here as you well. Got the, you got I the mean, I feel some, like you put some work in it. Yeah. but he's he's got a very good branding, you know. He's he's, he's, he's OSP, that prison what guy what is it? He's, he's,
0: he's, U- USP <laughs> He's his, like, his USP is fucking on
1: point. He's like, I'm that prison guy. I'm <laughs> I'm that mugging guy. You know, you could see him. You'd be like, I bet you mug people for a living, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. Um,
1: but, but also, it's not like, I'm not going to pretend that it's like super rough all the time. It's not no. like that. But that can definitely happen. Yeah. Dude, I
0: trained with a police officer that works in the gang squad of London. And he oh, was wow. just talking to me about the knife situation yeah. and how the stabbing situation was out of control. And like how every weekend they're just knife attack after knife attack after knife attack. Often with like groups of teenage boys that unprovoked attacks, just going up, just m- mugging other people, stabbings. And he said it was pretty violent, actually.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's actually so bad that I try not to read too much because oh, yeah. I think I'll just get in my own heads. But like now, so we, I lived in Brixton for three years and just now we moved, it's still close to Brixton, but it's a bit further out. It's called Tall's Hill. So it's like, actually like, kind of like a nicer area like there's more like maybe like some families living around um and it and it's it's sort of like a bit nicer but only last week some guy got stabbed outside of where i like buy my groceries you know damn and he was like 20 or whatever and you go maybe yeah but the police won't say this is gang related
0: not because they want to keep it yeah so so
1: we don't know But you think, is it gang related or is it just like a random guy? When they
0: say gang related, does that mean that the victim was somehow known to the attacker and that they had some kind of rival gang thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So it's either gang related or it's a random attack. Yeah, I would
1: say normally, normally, at least that's that's what we
0: tell ourselves. Yeah.
1: Normally it would be gang gang related. related.
0: That's what you want to hear, right?
1: You're not yeah. in a gang. You're fine. Yeah. No. I. I'm. May. If I was in a gang, it'd be a choir or something. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a gang.
0: <laughs> you guys. You guys are like self guitar.
1: Yeah. I'm like. I'm like. Hey, man. We're just like hitting those notes. You know. Like we're not. <laughs> yeah. We're not trying to take anyone's money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. I. I mean. I'm just like trying very hard not to join a gang. That's like. That's what I'm working. <laughs> I'm working hard on my comedy. Working hard not to try and join a gang. Um. But yeah. But, but 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 that was only last week. And um. And, like, it is fucking scary because it's just where you live. Mm. Uh, It is weird, but you sort of just have to, yeah. I guess, like, get a bit more thick-skinned about it. But, like, I also (laughs) think if that happened where I'm from, like, I grew up, like, when we were 10, we moved to this tiny place outside of Bergen. If that happened on my street there, like, we would talk about that for, like, 40 years. Yeah.
0: We would never stop talking about it. No, that's the corner. That's where where it happened, That's where Cibret got stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I, f- I feel like it's. Uh... What is it like in Oslo though? Because even it's I know. It's the I, same, dude.
1: Because in Oslo, like just watching from like like reading, like I, sl- I still read like Vega mm. every single day. Nice. Um and um and like I still read like man shot in Oslo, and I'm just like fucking out.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's probably nowhere near as bad because the scale of Oslo compared to London is just so much smaller. Mm. But there's definitely like a lot of stabbings and shootings and gang activity and, you know, like, you know, rapes and mer- there's a lot of shit, man. Humanity is dark no matter where you are. It is dark are. when it goes into... Yeah, and once you start like getting people with a varied degree of social mobility and people that live in like particular environments that somehow don't have a lot of opportunity and they just breed this kind of brother of contempt there can often be a lot of malignant behavior a lot of just fucking uh, yeah. uh anger and uh, drugs and money and all that sort of stuff it just kind of leads to violence no matter where you are like sydney is a very violent city city is extremely violent is it oh my god bro. i have no idea yeah because i mean it's like it it's, it's not just because it's a cultural melting pot it's also because there's five million people there and you get Big groups of men, you know, like young guys in their 20s that are all hanging out. And you know what I mean? There's just something in the air that just goes, fuck that other big group of men. Yeah. Or they'll go, hey, there's 10 of us and five of them. Let's go. You add alcohol into the mix, you know, and shit just pops off all the time. But Sydney is also that culture where men are still masculine. There's that like this sense of machoism, which to a certain degree, I think like you don't really have as much of that in... Oslo, like Norway seems to be a little bit more androgynous, a little bit more. Everybody's kind of just a little bit more chill. We have everything. The girls are pretty. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, but I do agree
1: with that. And I also think, like, yeah, when I think of like Norwegian men, like, I would say maybe more in the countryside, you have the men who are like very masculine, very manly. I work on a farm. Mm. I, I've i got this. Check I'm out like, my tractor. Ch- check out my tractor. Like, uh, look, I'm, I can lift all, I I had like a stepdad that I grew up with and he, he owned this like truck company like Elosabil fima yeah. and um, and I am not a very handy guy I don't know if you can tell by everything <laughs> about me and for like six years or whatever how long he was married to my mommy was just this like oh my days, I, he was like, he was like, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be a footballer. And he was like, man, you can't be a footballer. You should be a truck driver or something like that. And I'm like, have you seen me? Like, I can't, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't be a footballer either. Like probably closer to be a truck driver, but but yeah, I think, but I do think like, if you see like Oslo, just like, like the men are pretty like, it's more like a, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the word is progressive, but mm. um, but it's definitely like,
0: yeah, it's not the macho sort of. It's, an, it's androgynous. Culture. That's what I think it is. I, think I don't know what that word means. It it means that there's a gender. It's like a, it's, it's like genderless. It, I think like what happens is because the equality of genders is such a you know like such a priority in Scandinavia. It's such a like men should do what women want to do and women want to do what men. I feel like there's a kind of mixing of. Uh, of traditional gender roles. I feel like men are more sensitive here. Oh, for sure. If that makes sense. And I feel like it's like in some cultures, like, you know, a guy... She's like, I don't want to walk the baby. I don't want to like do the the dish. I'm not making food. But here's like your guy. You're like, you know what? All the stuff that my mom did, I'm gonna do it. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. What what, what was a woman's role? I'm now what like. uh, I I feel like there's a kind of sense like that, and I feel like some of the women have more masculine qualities as well. Yeah. So I feel like the difference between the genders in Scandinavia, at least that I've noticed in Oslo, there's not a lot of differences. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of what has. And you go to macho cultures Like I'm a man I do the man I'm not doing that That's what the woman is doing I feel like that's what This sort of like Macho-ness is The essence of macho-ness Is like just doing men things I think like that In in Norway seems to be Like I feel like
1: we label it A bit more like well, if you feel like that, it's probably because you're insecure, dude. <laughs>
0: yeah, I feel like
1: that's definitely what we've like sort of done with that. But I really like that it feels so genderless. Like, it, definitely for the person that I am, mm. it's like the best time that I could have lived in so far. Oh yeah, like I would have been fucked. Like, as if a Viking, I was, as mate, as a Viking, I would be like <laughs> they would they would tell me to wait in the boats. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they would be like, someone has to like someone has to like mind the boats. Why don't you do that?
0: just look after the boats keep them warm for us
1: yeah if someone tries to steal the boat just give the <laughs> boat to them we don't yeah. care you just do you we'll we'll catch you later yeah. you know yeah. i i mean i oh, this is a thing that this is a thing that i definitely have you know talking about like identity and stuff yeah yeah so i had <laughs> at one point when i lived in the uk i had uh, an acting agent mm. Um and all the roles that I would be put up for would be for this, like, Viking play series, Viking, uh, like, computer games. Computer games sounds very old. Though. Yeah, you know what I mean, though, like, video games. Um, and and so many of those additions, it was so obvious that the casting people had read that my name was Thor and that I was from Norway, but not really seen the rest of my profile because I would be in rooms where everyone was fucking massive. <laughs> And then I was there as well. <laughs> and it looked like they were playing they it looked like they were auditioning to play Vikings and I was auditioning to play someone getting pillaged by the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. It was so
0: ridiculous. They must have been so disappointed when they saw you. Yeah. They go for Odin from Norway? And then you turn up? I have such a high pitched voice as well, which
1: like <laughs> we were, they would make us do like, I remember one of them, we had to do like all of these like improv exercises where they wanted us to go like, oh, and all like to try and slam. And it just didn't work out at all. That's I felt ridiculous. so, I felt so awkward. Oh,
0: that's funny. That's so funny. But, but do you do? You, yeah, do you, do you act? Do you do any like? Are you? Is that your like? You know? You no, know? not really. Not really anymore. Um, like
1: every now and then, but not not that much. Like I want to be. I want to be a standard comedian. I yeah. want to be a comedian. What's that's that- like my biggest dream. That's what I love doing. Mm. I don't love acting, but I've done a lot of acting prior.
0: Yeah, it's a different beast, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but- I have an acting degree.
0: No, that's is why. It-
1: that's why I moved to the UK.
0: Really? So you have an acting degree. So you went to a performative university or college or whatever? It's called... uh, It's in Liverpool. It's called Lippa. Oh, you went to Lippa? Yeah. I've heard of that. That classic, the Paul McCartney School. Yeah. So I went there. Isn't that quite like a prestigious school? Like it's a lot of people try to get in and...
1: Yeah, it was really cool to get into. Like I was like... I was like over the moon when I got in. Like at, at some point in my life, I was like surrounded by loads of people who wanted to become actors, because I went to, I went to Folke i mm. and where the, the sort of like, the branding of the folk of that Folke school it was called Solbakken, amazing place, they were like, we do acting, we do comedy, and at the time, I was like, I was 19, I was living in this very, like, jantete place in Norway, do you know what that means, jantete, nah, you know, janteloven, it like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, judgmental, Oh, very much you. like like what it felt like at the time mm. it felt like we should do this We you, you like I very much felt like I didn't want to stand out growing up like I wanted oh wow I, so it,
0: it really affected you
1: oh absolutely I like i I almost consider me going to sulbakken as like almost like a before and after I did that in my life because before that like I didn't want to do anything that was like different like I never acted growing up there was no acting there was no one no one acted. Growing up, I never did anything like that, and then I was just like, oh, "I really want to like do comedy,"
0: and then and then I went there, and then. Uh, so you had the idea of doing comedy before you went to Solbakken.
1: Yeah. So when I so I went to um, Vidrigona yeah, sixth yeah. form, whatever you want to call it, in Bergen. Yeah. And when I was mm, eighteen, I used to be front of door at stand up Bergen.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, because
1: I really wanted to start doing up. But I felt very young. And, yeah. and in hindsight, I think I was too young. I think if I had started then, mm. like a part of me is thinking, man, imagine how long you'd gone for now. And like, how good you would have been and stuff. But I do think that if I did start then, I think what would have happened is that I would have obviously had a bad first gig, which most people do. Or like maybe good first gig, but then it gets tougher from there. Um, and then I probably would have been too scared and be like, I can't do this. Um so I was just yeah, I was just front of house. I just wanted to be like involved somehow. It was cool to hang around comedians, but I also very quickly felt like or like realized that like if I don't do stand-up, they are not gonna like I'm not gonna get the same respect from just being the door guy, you know. And I just did it for free so I could watch the shows and stuff. And then I went to Solbachen, everybody wanted to be an actor, I got wrapped in the bubble really wanted to go to lipper i was like i really want to go there uh wanted to move to england seems really cool went to lipper had a great time it was great but i always wanted to do stand-up comedy i didn't my acting wasn't like the main thing that
0: i wanted to do mm. but did you feel like when you were at lipper that you thought yeah maybe acting maybe i could or were you like i'm just doing this because it's gonna get me to england it's gonna teach me a lot of
1: you know, no, like no, skills
0: if, or if if I
1: did think that, I don't think I would have
0: gone because it's too expensive. Oh really? <laughs> it's like
1: I mean, it's like studying in the UK is so expensive. It's not free university, so I it wouldn't did... have
0: done that. Okay, I understand.
1: I um no, I definitely think at the time I was like, I guess I'll be an actor or whatever. But like what it's sort of like what I said earlier. Like my favorite part about stand up comedy and my favorite part about everything is making something and that it's always there or like you could show for it so like if it's like making a bit making a skit making a video or whatever i've always loved those things mm. with acting it felt a bit like we're doing this play now and then we're done we move on so nothing that you really did in this play is doesn't matters when we do this play mm. so i didn't really love that but um and i also just think um yeah i don't think like yeah acting like it, it was fun like i i like it's nothing you know Actors are sick. Like there's a lot of cool actors. Yeah, awesome. But um, but I I loved doing comedy when we wanted when we were going to do comedy, and I loved doing um, doing improv. That yeah. was my favorite things. We could improvise a bit.
0: Yeah, the thing about doing comedy versus doing acting as well is that when you're doing comedy, I mean, one of the many things is that you you're trying to generate a specific response, and that response is laughter. Yeah, and you love that feeling. You know what i mean like that feeling when you're like aha here's a joke and everybody cracks up and you're like yeah now we're kind of experiencing this together yeah and even when you do act like i would get
1: so many notes from directors being like man you're playing up to the audience too much this 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 doesn't need to be a funny moment but mm. i'm like but if they're laughing they're loving it i'm like because i think that is my favorite part about standard comedy is just how it's such a direct medium yeah like we don't, when we go off stage, we know how well, that like, it went. We don't go off, like, we're not like, how did it go? Like, we can hear it. People tell us mm. if they laugh, if they like it or whatever. Yeah. With acting, with, it's not really the same thing.
0: No, it's not. You know, like, there's one thing that I've started to kind of pay attention to a lot more recently is, like, when you know that you have the audience. Like when you know that like we're locked in and we're on this ride together, that is such a good feeling. And when you don't have them for whatever reason, oh, it hurts. It does hurt. Yeah. Oh, you're like, why aren't you with me? What, why am I? Come on, what do I have to do? Come, let's all. We'll do, we're doing
1: this right. But that also—that's also when I like dig in the hardest, and I'm like, why didn't I get him? What happened there? Like, did I? was the entry weird so often i think like it's how you come in can just like dictate the rest of the gig mm. like are they with you from the start first sort of impressions thing? first impression for sure May we? i mean i'm sure you've done the same like you've done some sort of gig and you've just for some reason something's happened in the room and you just said the wrong thing at the start and they just go we don't like you and no. you're just like oh boy this is gonna be fun for the next 15 minutes uh Dude, it happened to, a-
0: happened to me last night I did this uh, gig, this launch of a podcast, and I didn't have the right entry. I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck. I kind of like tried to salvage it, and I never really like unified the room and took them with me on the journey. and uh,
1: it it, ma- it makes a massive difference. like yeah. i've I've uh, some of the um, feed mug gigs, yeah. like corporates we would call it, that I've done like I did one with Chetil Melkevik Oh nice. a couple of years ago. And, um, and I, I, I do so much like I call up the manager and I'm like, Hey man, have you got any like funny stories from like the office, whatever made like some jokes about that, made some little gifts and stuff. And it just made it so much easier when I actually went into material because they already liked me. They were already like, yeah, let's sit. What, what else have you got to say?
0: Oh, you made gifts. Yeah. I mean, tiny, tiny things. So like
1: for instance, one, one guy. He had two guys two of his sons were already working at the at the company. Yeah. And then he had like his daughter was about to start and he had like another daughter after I had a thing. So I just made some jokes about that and I was like, and my gift for you, and it was like condoms or something like that because you got too many kids or whatever. It was like, it's not, it was not like genius stuff forever, but But they, they liked it. Yeah. They liked it so much because you're making jokes about them, but it is a lot more work.
0: Yeah. But it's worth it. You're right, man. You made it really personal and you bought gifts. So automatically they fucking love you.
1: Yeah. But it is weirdo. Like it is like, you know. I feel like so much of being standard, uh, a standard comedian is that you just have to be okay with things being a little bit awkward. Mm. Like when I'm calling up, like, so this was like three different branches. There was one in Stavanger, one in Bergen, and one in like the Netherlands or something. Mm. When I'm calling all of those managers, they're all a bit like, what the fuck is going on? They're all be like, okay, yeah, maybe we can find some stories or whatever. Like, it is a little bit awkward, mm. you know, but you just sort of have to be okay with that, I
0: think. And then he was so worth it. I'm so happy I did it. Dude, I love hearing that, man. I love hearing that you went to, like, the extra length to make all those calls and go through that, like, that, those awkward conversations to get the experience that was best for them, but also best for you yeah it
1: was a great experience you know and um and and it just comes from me doing corporate gigs before where like i've just you know the first one i did i was like i'll just go up there i'll just do my stuff like they'll dig it and then you go up and they're like who are you yeah (laughs) we didn't know there was going to be stand-up comedy on and why are you just talking in this weird little
0: rhythm that you have got going yeah 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 no and that's
1: awkward that's very
0: awkward yeah, it is awkward. That's kind of what I felt like. I happened that happened to me last night before we met at that first gig. I felt like I never really, you know what I mean. Like there was just something that was off. I I, I think I kind of know what it is, but it's. Uh, but then you learn from that, right? That's exactly. the great thing about standup
1: because you will have loads more of those gigs coming up. Yeah. So now now you've learned from that I still do mistakes all the time. That I go okay, you got to learn from that. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's the best thing about standup. You get to go again, man. Like yeah, maybe yeah. not at the same night at the same time, but you get to go again. You can do it other places and and when they love you, they don't know that there's a bunch of other people who had to deal with like the first time we were doing stuff and you know, had to like go through like a bit of like an awkward sort of moment there. But um but I also do think, you know, we're talking about like going the extra mile and stuff. I like that is something that works for me doing that. But also in in like in Norway, there are so many good people who do like this my gigs all the time. Mm. And they probably don't have to do that in the same way. They are just so good at them. They have so many things that they can go into. Mm. They are proper pros, you know? Yeah. So they probably don't want to do that because it's more work. And maybe also they don't have to do that. Yeah, exactly. Because they're so good.
0: Yeah. You know, saying that, man, there's this. there used to be this show, what's it called? Like uh, Harald and... Thomas and Harald. Thomas and Harald. I was at a firmy gig with them. And Harald, he memorized the name of like 50 of this company's products. He fucking, I mean, uh, and then I think Thomas, he memorized like 50 people's names. And I was like, oh, my God, they fucking really crammed for this. Do you know, that's so funny that you
1: would say that because my dad works in this big um, company called Kongspargruppen. Yep. Um, And Haral did like one of their like Christmas shows or something. Mm. And he was making loads of fun about like his boss and stuff like that. So... It's funny because as I was saying that that some of these people don't have to do it, I was thinking, but actually he did it and he is one of the top guys. He's one
0: of the top guys and he killed
1: But But also they get paid so
0: much to do that. They get paid bank, They get paid so much. Dude, with Kongsberg Group. Like that must be like this company that, I mean, they're making they must be making billions of kroners. Like, it's such a huge... Oh, yeah. I thought you meant Thomas. Oh, no, no, <laughs> yeah. no. I, I, I yeah. wish they were making billions. But the Kongsberg group, I mean, oh, yeah. like, they're getting the best
1: Yeah, people. like, they have, like, obviously massive deals, like and yeah no I mean like if you did like a Christmas show for them you would make a lot of money yeah but that's also the hardest thing isn't it when you're a comedian have you ever done I don't know if you've ever done a gig like this but sometimes people will go what do you charge yeah what is your fee yeah and that is a tough one how do you answer that it's so hard yeah I normally do a bit of research and I'll ask around it depends if it's something I've done before
0: yeah um, because it's kind of varies as well on the amount of time that they want you to do and if it's just a 15 minute thing or if it's, like, hosting for an hour or something?
1: Oh, yeah. It depends what they want you to do. For me, it sort of depends a bit, like, because I'm still a new comedian. Like, it still depends a bit, like, how big they are. Yeah. So, like, um, but I can get, like, I can get, like, requests like that either from, like, me personally as a standard comedian, mm. but also quite often we get, like, an email through the comedy night that I'm running yep. in, in Soho. And the first time we got that, I undersold us so badly. And I, when we <laughs> did the gig, I was just thinking, why on earth didn't I say more money? They would have paid, the, I. they had so much more money to give. Yeah. And we gave them such a good show. And I was thinking, we could have asked for four times as much as this. Yeah. And that's annoying. So the next time it happened, I was like, that's not going to happen again. And I think for me, it's a bit like, first of all, I think, especially in Norway, I think this, when people ask you, to some degree, you got to think of the whole, like, stand-up community. Mm. So if everybody is just, like, decreasing their rates, everybody's suddenly getting paid less and less because it just seems to be, like, the normal rate, you know? Yeah. And Norwegian companies have a lot of money. Yeah. A lot okay. of Norwegian companies have. So now, you know, like, I heard of someone was doing an Equinor gig. I'm like, they have a lot of money. Mm. So it's completely fine to ask for, for quite a lot of money. And also... It's like, yeah, you might just be doing 15 minutes or whatever, but how much work have you done to make those 15 minutes what they are? Like you worked for years doing that. You like in terms of writing, in terms of doing these weird gigs in the middle of nowhere and maybe not getting paid for them. And you've done all of these things. Mm. So you should charge properly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing that I think of is what is the least because sometimes those corporate gigs are not that much fun. They can be fun, but yeah. they can also be like horrendous. And I'm like, just for the stress that I know is going to go into my head about yeah. doing this, what what is, what would I at least have to get paid to actually do
0: this? That's what I think. I think, what would I be happy with? Yeah. What would I be happy with? And I go, you know what? Sometimes I'd be happy with this. And sometimes I'd be happy with a lot more because I don't really want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Good point, I think. Yeah. So I think that's a good way to do it.
1: But also, I think it depends like a bit where you are, if it's like, well, you know, I need experience to do in terms of doing these gigs, which are very different to doing like a comedy club, Mm. because when you do a comedy club, they are in your house. But when you're doing these sort of corporate gigs, you're in their house. Yeah. So the power dynamic is completely the opposite.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, it really is. But like pricing is something that a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, uh, you know, it, including me sometimes as well. I'm like, fuck, I don't know. But you run like, because you run like a media
1: company, right?
0: Yeah, what, that's right. What, what, what isn't it the same with that? It is the same with that. It, it really is. It's this. It's, it's like it's pretty similar skill set when it comes to negotiating. Yeah. Uh, but with like with the media company, I can break things down with like an hourly rate and like with the equipment and editing and post production and things like that. And I've got a lot more experience running a media company and charging. So, uh, but I feel like, you know, like, I feel like a lot of what you can charge as well is also connected to your value as a personality. Do You know what I mean? Like that Harold guy that we were talking about would obviously be able to charge a lot more than me. Yeah. Because of just who he is and all the years of experience. Yeah. So, you know, there is a degree of, like, if you're making a video for somebody, like, nobody really cares that much. Like, how, you know, is the video going to be the same? Is it going to be good? But when it's like with stand-up comedy, it's like, oh, is it going to be from... Let's say it's like, I, I think that like when you're doing comedy, like the only person that can do Thor, Odin, Sten Hulk is Thor, Odin, Sten Hulk. Yeah, We want you. That's the guy that we want. And then you can say, oh, you want me? I'm the only person that can do me. This is what I want. And isn't it also be like if... Because we, we, I think we
1: sometimes forget that the people in the companies who are hiring us can sometimes just be like this one dude who's thinking, what are people going to be happy about? Like he's like... He or she, they're just like so, you know, uh, focused on pleasing everyone else. Mm. So they don't actually, they don't care that much about us. They just want to like please someone else. And, and I guess like if you have someone like Haral, people know him. People have seen him on TV. People are like, wow, that's exciting. Yeah. He's like a celebrity. He's like, I don't think Norway has that many celebrities, but he is a celebrity, mm. right? And even though he, I, I do think he's probably really good. But even if it hadn't been much better than us, it's a bit like if you buy a a shirt which has, like, the, you know, um, like, let's say, like, the Lacoste logo for, like, an old reference. Yeah. Or if you buy a shirt that has no logo, right? Mm-hmm. It might be a similar shirt, but, you know, the Lacoste logo is going to be so much, much more valuable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because people know about it. That's it
0: that's it. And so I feel like once, but that kind of feeds back into what we were talking about earlier with like building up the following outside of just comedy. Yeah, You know what I mean? When people have this parasocial relationship to you and your work Mm -hmm. and they become Mm -hmm. fans, then they're like, Oh no, we want the Lacoste shirt. Yeah. Yeah. That's it for sure. And and
1: you can see like, that's what the coolest thing that I find about like the Norwegian comedy scene now is just that I can just see so many comedians just working their, their way up there and, and whether it's from them being on "ikke Lova på Hitta or like some sort of like TV show, because I don't think TV isn't really what it used to be, but it's still a thing. And I mean, when you talk about stuff like "ikke Lova på Hitta, man, that just got so many views. And I just think, like, I remember doing Stavanger hmm. with Ahmed.
0: Ahmed um, Mamal?
1: Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. him. Yeah. So we were doing that. Um, the weekend that "Ikkelovelepahitta" season two mm. came out, yeah, and I remember being like, like I knew a bit of Ahmed from yeah. um, I'd seen him on Lofted Live, yeah. So his clip had gone up on like the NRK website, mm. um, and I'd seen that, and I was like, this guy's really funny. And I told him when I was like, I saw your clip; it was great, man. Uh, but when we went out after, I think it was like after the last show, we went out like. So many people were walking up to him. And I was like, fuck, this guy is way more famous than I thought he was. And a lot of people had seen him on Ikke Yeah.
0: And
1: some people were like, hey, man, I think I know you from somewhere. You know, some people couldn't really tell where. But a lot of people were like, we've just seen you in this. Yeah. It made a massive difference. And let's say that he put on the show. Those people would be like, oh, yeah, it's that guy from that. Mm. Love to go and see that.
0: Yeah, dude, I love him. He's I, so good. He's so fucking good. And such a nice guy. He's the nicest guy. He's so funny. He's so
1: good. He's, like, definitely one that I'm just, like, man, you, he's just going up and up and up, and he just did a show and everything. And, yeah, I think, like, there's, like, definitely a part of me, like, I love the UK comedy scene, and I think it's so cool to do stand-up. I'm, like, the comedy nerd, so, like, just, like, hitting the clubs and, like, doubling up and all of that. I love that. But also, like, the Norwegian comedy scene it's like, I'm, like, I feel... Very, like, intimidated by it almost. I'm mm. like, it's so many cool people working their way up here and so many hardworking people. Dude, and what's
0: awesome as well is you're getting all these spots that are blowing up. Like, Stavanger, bam, blowing up. Like, Bergen fucking killing it. Oslo, just, like, the hot, it's just going and going and going. And, like, you know, Tromsa, uh, tomorrow night I'm flying to Lofoten yeah. for the festival. Like, you're like, damn.
1: But it should, though. It yeah. should. Like, I mean, Stavanger is the big place. Like, so, I mean, I think... And also, like, Stavanger is a big place. It should have, like, these comedy scenes. But also, I've done a couple of gigs in Stavanger where it's been, like, English-speaking comedy nights because Mm. there's even a scene for that, Yeah, you know? So I do feel like there are some cities that probably have this big potential that hasn't really been utilized until now.
0: Yeah, is a good one because you get a lot of foreign workers because of the oil platforms. Yeah, loads. And loads
1: of people are like... I had someone requesting... If I could do like a Christmas party gig for them, they'd see him at this like English speaking comedy night and they wanted it to be in English because a lot of the people at the University of Stavanger is also foreign people, right?
0: Yeah, I did a private gig in Stavanger as well and they booked me because it was in English. Oh, this yeah. It's an international company and their working language is English. Yeah. So I was like, let's
1: do it. Yeah, it's great. It's like, a, it's it's a really cool thing. And, and you know, now in Stavanger, there's even like a second sort of comedy club mm. starting now yeah. at Centrum that I think it's called.
0: Yeah, it's with the, uh, t- I think that's maybe with Tura. Yeah, Turem. Mier- yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout
1: uh, out to Tura. I don't know him, but he added me on Facebook, so yeah, I guess. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, But um But he, uh, and that's awesome, you know, because it's, it's a big place. I think me growing up in Bergen, it's a bit different because I think Bergen has always been pretty good ever since I. At least got into comedy, being like you know when I was like eighteen years old, sitting in front of a house or whatever. Like, and when I the people that I saw then were like Christian Mikkelsen mm. and like all of these people that just like blew up. Like there was such like a wave
0: of great comedians coming yeah. from that place. Yeah, that's nice, man. That's really good to see. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, dude. I think we've had like oh, we should wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to say? So no. the, anything, any, any like, uh, fucking thoughts or, you know, anything else that like about comedy or living in the UK or anything that's like, no, know? I, I don't,
1: I don't think so. No. Uh, I, uh, it's been cool to be on, man. Cool. I, I, I've seen this podcast before. That's like another thing because mm. you've had two people from the UK comedy scene
0: on the podcast, Yeah, that's which right. is like how I saw it. Yeah. You're friends with Mike Rice and Victor. Yeah. Oh, I love those guys. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's
1: like, dope. And on, also, that's another, I mean, we're speaking on social media. Mm. I can guarantee you, if you hadn't done the reels with them, mm. I never would have heard of the podcast because like, I wouldn't have just been on Spotify being like, Norwegian comedy podcast. I don't even know how you would find it. But it's it's from the reels.
0: Yeah, it is, isn't it? And okay. I listened to the episode with Mike as well. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good, man. I've
1: noticed that, like... Are you on TikTok, by the way? I just started TikTok. I started... So much later. That I wish I started two years earlier, man. Yeah, okay. I was too I was too early into my comedy career. I why got though?
0: you. But are you, just, so are you posting the same content yeah. on TikTok? So I'm going to just tell you, like, my strategy with TikTok, I just started as well. But my Instagram account is mostly English. And then my TikTok account, I'm going to go, I'm going to make this for Norwegian. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah, cool. I, f- I find, like, why not? You know, just have, like, a different kind of personality, different channel. Just reach people locally. I feel like that's a, that's a fun thing for me to do. You might as well. And also with those platforms as
1: well, like they will also tell you this is working mm. better than
0: this is working, you know, yeah, sort yeah. of thing. It's good like that. Sweet. All right. Thank you so much for being a guest, man. It was awesome meeting with you. And one of the great things I like about this podcast is uh, talking to people about comedy. And I love doing it. I could do it for fucking ever. Yeah, it's great. It's the, best. it's the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, it's the best. All right, man. Thanks a lot, bro. Cheers, brother. See you, ladies and gentlemen. Mwah.